Good morning, everybody. The book of 1 Samuel. You could have guessed that one, right? A few of you. You've maybe been in there for a little while. 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18. David has just killed Goliath. Beginning with verse 1. Now, after David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. Now, from that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. There was a little hostage situation going on right there. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David. He made this pact because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David, together with his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. Now, whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. Um, I want to kind of start with verse 5, and then we'll work our way back. It says in verse 5, uh, again, that Saul makes David the commander over the men of his war, an, app an appointment that was welcomed by everyone. Uh, this is interesting because when Saul does this, David is a young guy at this point. David is a, a young kid, and Saul recognizes in him, he's just killed this giant. This kid has the juice. Even though he's young, we're still going to make him commander over this army. And whenever I just read that this week, I just thought, uh, some of us, you got, you got to stop telling yourself these lies that I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too, what is it, what, what, is, what is your I'm too? Your I'm too rich, I'm too poor, I'm too this, I'm too that, I'm too young, I'm too old. What's your I'm too? See, I think, I think, I think we turn our I, I'm too, I call, somebody even said it's our if onlys. Or if only, if, I, if only I was a little bit younger, if only I was a little bit older. And, and I was talking to a group of guys this week, and I told them, like, this is, I think, one of the biggest, it's, it's a strategy of the enemy, right? Because we think in life, we think that there's somehow this sweet spot. that it, We don't know where it is, but at some point we'll hit this sweet spot and we'll just kind of like, we'll just know what life is all about. And, and, and when we're young, we're too young, and so we just think, oh, man, if I could just be older, whenever I get older, then I'll be able to. But then you get older, and you say, well, I'm just too old for that. If I was younger, then I could. And some of you in the room, if you are older, and you know what I'm saying is true. Like, you're looking back at your life, and you're recognizing, what was the sweet spot? Right? Because at some point, you're trying to tell yourself, well, well if, if only— and the enemy wants to keep you in that if only. If only I was a little bit younger. If only I was a little bit older. If only I had the money. If only I had the time. If only, what is your if only? Because your if only is really your excuse of why you're not doing it. Because right here, David, he's a young guy. And Saul's like, you know what? I know, I know what's in him. He sees God's hand on his life. And so we've got, we've got to watch out with our if onlys. Because they become our excuses or they become our idols. 
They become our excuses of why we can't do something, or they become our idols of, well, one day. Well, one day when I get, well, one day, and then whatever it is, fill in the blank. And then it becomes this idol that you're chasing after, only to get it, right, and realize there's another if only. Well, well, I got it. I made the first million. Well, oh, I got it, and I just did this. Now I, now I should, no, no, no. It, well, if, well, now I'm too old. I'm too young. And, and I just wanted to tell some people, and this isn't even the sermon, uh, but I just wanted to tell somebody, like, you're not too young. You're not too old. There's some fathers in this room, and the young people need you. Let me say it slowly. We need you. We need you. And and here's the thing. Let me tell you, young guys, like you're not going to change the world with a Facebook post. Right? I love you. I do. But like one of the best things you could do is probably just kind of get off of that social media for a little while. Like your little post that you think you know everything, nobody cares what you ate last night. Right? You're not going to change the world watching 16 hours of Netflix. All right? We, we got to get out there. We got to, you know, just, you know what I'm saying. I ain't, I ain't going to go there. But there's this moment, and David, in, in, in his stage of life, where he's at, he gets promoted. He's, he's commander now in this army. And it says, it's like, this is a, a position that was welcomed by everybody. Everybody, the officers loved it. The people loved it. But I'm here to tell you this morning, not everybody's going to like you. Because it, it says this right here, that everybody liked him right then. But we're going to keep on reading, and it's just a matter of time before the same dude who liked him, the same dude who said, no, no, you can't come home, is throwing spears at him. So we, we want to live in this life where everybody likes me, everybody likes my post, everybody likes the thing I'm doing, but the truth is not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone is going to welcome you. Sometimes people are going to start liking you, and then they're going to end up throwing some spears at you. The same crowd that's saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, is going to cry out, crucify him. A few days later, man, pastor, pastor, you're just the best. We love you. We love your preaching. You're so good. Two weeks later, I can't stand that guy. I see you in Walmart. You be acting like you're looking at something, trying to ignore me in Walmart. You know what I'm talking about? Watching y'all. I don't do that. I just, hey, it's good to see you. I know you're ignoring me right now. Why are you mad at me? What'd I do? Come on. Come on. Not everybody's going to like you. We want the crown without the cross. And I've learned this, that like, there's going to be a handful. Like, you're lucky if there's a handful of people in your life that'll stick with you through the thick and thin. See, like, when you just kill the giant, everybody wants to be your friend. When you just kill the giant that helps everybody, everybody welcomes you in. Come on, David, come over to my house and eat. Everybody, and this is a great appointment, but there's only a handful. There's only a handful that are going to stick with you when you're on the top of the mountain and when you're running from your life and you're in a cave. And you got to recognize that. And this scripture shows us this, and we find this in Jonathan. We find this in Jonathan. So I want to give you a few things this morning 
to talk about our relationships, to talk about having relationships and friendships and marriages that work, relationships that, that don't just are so temporal but can last. Why is it that some relationships work and some don't? Why is it that some relationships start off really good and then go terribly wrong? How is it that one day you guys were BFFs and then two weeks later you can't even look each other in the eye? Why is it that some relationships, it seems like there's an instant bond and other relationships, it seems like it takes years? Why is it that some relationships start off bad but end up good? Some start off good but end up bad. What is it? What are the things? What are some key markers to look for in relationships? I don't know if my buddy Matt's here this morning. Matt's one of those guys that I met him quite a few years ago. Uh, but for a number of years, two, three years, it was just, hey, how you doing, man? Good to see you. I thought he was a good guy, you know, but that was kind of it. And then we started to get to know each other. And I'm like, man, this guy is awesome. I just, I, just, I, just, I just love them. Man, but it took time. But I read this scripture, and it seems a little bit different for Jonathan and David. Because it says, it looks, it looks like on the surface, Jonathan and David, they come into each other's presence. All this has just happened. And it just says, immediately there was this bond between them. Like, whoa, 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 hold on. Why, why doesn't it just always work like that? And it just seems like, man, this would be so easy. And if we're not careful, on the surface, it could look like this is a decision that's just made in the heat of a moment. That, that David's just done this and, and Jonathan's just like, oh, this is going to be my friend for life. But there's more to it. So I want to give you a few things about healthy relationships. One, it says this. He made a solemn pact. The word here that's actually used is the word covenant. David makes a covenant with, with David. And I'm here to tell you, like, this wasn't just a just a spur of the moment thing. It reads like it, but there's, there's a few factors that come into play with this decision that Jonathan's making. If we were to back up a few chapters to chapter 14, we, we would read and we'd get to know a little bit more about Jonathan. And see, Jonathan is a man of war too. Jonathan is a man of courage. See, there was a moment again where they were facing an army and the whole army's afraid, and Jonathan has this idea. Listen, they're over there. This is what we're going to do. We're going to charge these guys. We're going to go, and, and they're on the top of this mountain. And if they say, come up to us, that's how we know the Lord has given them over to us. And, and he just leaves the entire army behind and goes and does this thing. And just starts, just starts winning this war, right? David has that same spirit. David rolls up on the scene, and he sees this giant. And whoa, 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 whoa. Who does this giant think he is? So immediately, when there's Jonathan and David, there's this moment. Listen, they are the same heart, the same spirit. And here's the key. They're moving in the same direction. They're moving in the same direction. Jonathan's words was like, listen, listen, look to our God. There's nothing that our God can't do. He could win this battle whether there's many or just a few. Look at David's words. Listen, he, God can win this thing. It doesn't matter how big this giant is. He's going to deliver him over into our hands. So they're moving together, the same heart, the same spirit. You've got to find people that are moving in the same direction you're moving in. You've got to find people that have the same heart, the same spirit. See, you think it's immediate. See, there's that moment where you, you're like, oh, I just saw her from across the room. 
I just saw her and I knew she was the one. Yeah, right. Come on. There's a 99.9% chance. Now listen, it does happen. It does happen. But there's a 90% chance that you just saw that girl and you thought she looked good. Right? And then you said, hey, and she's missing 17 teeth. And you were like, well, maybe she ain't the one. You know, that immediate bond all of a sudden ain't so immediate after all. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, ladies, you too. You saw him, and he looked good. And then you said, hey, and something went wrong, right? Do we have the same spirit? Do we say it have the same heart? Are we moving in the same direction, or are we just caught in the um, euphoria of the moment? See, if we're not careful, we could do this in church world too. You could come here this morning, and if we, if we play the keys just soft enough, and the lights are just right, and the preacher's tone of voice is just, just enough, we know how to set a scene. We know how to create a moment. But then it doesn't last. And in this moment, you, you thought you had an encounter but what you had was just this experience that, no, 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 it was just a good keyboard player. You know what I'm talking about. But there has to be more to it. See, Jesus is very clear. I want you to move in the same direction I'm moving. And if this is going to work, we have to be of the same heart and the same spirit. And so if there's going to be this bond between us, there's one thing that has to take place. You've got to repent You've got to turn from the way that you are going and start following me in the way that I'm going. That's the only way this thing works. This covenant works if you will humble yourself and surrender. God, my life is no longer mine, but it's yours. We find this. We find this surrendering taking place. But sometimes what we want to do is we want to come to Jesus and say, this is awesome. Now, Jesus, if you could just follow me wherever I go. Now, Jesus, I got, I got this problem at work. I got this boss, and I need you to take care of that. And I got these issues. Now, Jesus, just come right along. Come on, Jesus. We're going to be happy together. And you're like, where's Jesus at? Because he ain't following you. His first words to the disciples were what? Follow me. It's a big change here. It's a big difference. If we want to enter into this covenant, it means us following Jesus. And Jesus is very hardcore about it. Jesus is very clear. Well, wait, hold on, Jesus. Listen, I just had this other thing. And then there's actually, there's a funeral. Let the dead bury their own dead. This is Jesus. I'm moving in a direction. There's a heart, there's a soul, there's a spirit that's going on with this. See, we want it our own way. We want to enter our marriages. And we just thought that woman was just going to follow us. Uh, nope. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about that. Nope, right? You start having kids. You start having kids, and you think you're the parent? Nope. I realize I'm a glorified Uber driver. I don't even have a schedule anymore. What are we doing today, kids? Well, I got a soccer game. We got, like, all right, let's do it. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all 47 trying to act like you're 17 trying to go in your own way, trying to go in your own direction, and you're wondering why some of the relationships are falling apart. Because it, it means entering into this covenant. It means making this commitment. 
Jonathan made a covenant with David. I'm going in the direction that you are. I recognize God's hands on your life and our spirits are aligned. And so let's do this thing. The second thing the scripture says is it said this, Jonathan loved him as he loved himself. This is very important. Jonathan loved him as he loved himself. This is the commandment of Jesus. What should I do? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, sometimes I think when we think of that commandment that Jesus gives, we begin to look at Jesus. And we think, well, you know, Jesus, you know, let's be honest, he kind of had one up. Because you're, you're God. Right? So it's easy for you to love everybody because you're God. You can love, I mean, all the fruits of the Spirit, peace, patience, kindness, understanding. You've got all of that. And yet what we have here and it's, it's an Old Testament example of a New Testament command. Jesus is saying, listen, even before I came on the scene and gave you this commandment, there's a guy here, Jonathan, that lived it out. And so if you want to know what it looks like to love your neighbor as you love yourself, look to Jonathan because he nailed it. This, is, this relationship that he had, there's some insights on how we can love each other as we love ourselves. Given, and this is Jonathan, it's a picture of the love of Jesus. And here's what's crazy about this. Jonathan had a messed up dad. Jonathan's home life wasn't perfect. Jonathan was part of a fearful army. Jonathan had courage, but not Goliath-sized courage. See, because Goliath wasn't, he wasn't charging that field either, Jonathan. He, he, he needed a model too. Jonathan wasn't perfect, but he was the prince. Jonathan was next in line to be king. And, and this is just my opinion, but I think Jonathan had the character to do it better than his father. Jonathan had the character to do it better than Saul. So if like there was anyone that would be next in line, you're already, you're already in the bloodline. You're already ready next to be king. And yet Jonathan recognized, hold up, God's using this guy. And I, and I know it's supposed to be me, but you know what? I'm going to lay it all down because I recognize God's doing something in your life. This is how we love our brothers. John says it like this, he must increase and I must decrease. He must increase. I love you as I love myself. Listen to these words in Philippians 2. Speaking of Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that, every, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in the heavens and on the earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God to the Father. Did you catch that? Who Jesus, being God, being God, did not consider equality something to be grasped. He was, he was perfectly content in knowing who he was. His identity secure in the Father. 
all of this to glorify the Father. I'm telling you, at the core of healthy relationships, relationships that will last, is the understanding, listen, I don't have to prove anything. I, I, I will take off all of this. I will take off all of it to just, David, I, I see something in you, and like, it, whatever it is, I'll decrease. It, it, it's, it's not about me. I want to do this to glorify the Father, to show the world what Christ is doing. Last thing he did is it says that he sealed it. He sealed it. He banks this covenant. He loved David as he loved himself, and then he sealed it by taking off his sword, his bow, his tunic, his belt, laying it all down. I brought a sword somewhere. Here it goes. Ugh. It's the best I could find. It's a little on the lightsaber, you know, a little lightsaber sword. And um, I'm thinking about this, thinking about Jonathan. I'm thinking about David. You know, he's got his sword. He's got his bow. He, he's, he's dressed in his tunic, his belt, his belt's on. He's got, he's got his, his, his robe on. He's ready to go. And he's having this moment with David. He's making this covenant. And he lays down his sword. Now, this is important because your sword, man, this is your weapon. This is, this is your offense. This is also your defense. Someone comes at you. It's this weapon. It could be offense. It could be, and, and I realize, like, some of the worst fights I've had in my life is because I didn't lay down my sword. Some of the worst fights I've had with my wife is because I didn't lay down my sword. I came out on the offense Come on, girl, I'm going to win this fight. Come on, come on. Or were you coming at me? Defense, defense, block that one. You know what I'm saying is true. And to have these healthy relationships, I'm telling you, we've got to lay down our swords. It means becoming vulnerable. It means, you know what? You could hurt me right now. I have nothing to block it, and if you want to hurt me, you can. See, some of us come to relationships, and we come into marriages, and we come to Christ, and we have all of these things, and we just, I came to church this morning, and I'm just waiting for pastor to mess up. I'm waiting for pastor to say something, because the second he does, I'm never coming to church again. We enter our relationships, we enter our marriages, just like my last husband, just like my last wife, and so we're already on the offense, and we've yet to become vulnerable and lay down our swords, to just, just lay them down. Have you ever had that, that fight with your spouse? And, uh, and you, you, your offense, your defense, you're ready to go, and, and then they, something, they say something along this lines, well, tell me a time that I did that. You know what I'm talking about, girl? You know what I'm saying? But she's learned this about me. She uses that line. Well, tell me the last time that I did that. Now listen, God has given me a gift. I don't remember anything. <laughs> and it confuses me every time. Well, I didn't tell me the last. Dang it, girl. And it's not that I laid down my sword. I just can't remember where I put it. 
Because if I could find this thing, if I could find this thing, I remember. And oh, Lord, don't let me remember. Because if I do remember, oh, yeah, well, I'll tell you the last time you shopped on Amazon and spent all that money. Let me Google this thing real quick. You know, so there's a difference. There's a difference. Come on. To lay down, our, to have these kind of relationships where we're vulnerable. To have these fights. Like, can, let me give you a, this real quick. Uh, a few, this was quite a few years ago. I did a, um, we, we did a, uh, a series on relationships, specifically on marriage, and I titled it uh, How to Fight Fair. And it was one of the most downloaded series that we ever did, How to Fight Fair, because some of us have this idea of like, oh, you, you know, you're perfect, you're just never going to fight. And uh, it, it, I don't know where y'all been living, but that just ain't the truth. And um, uh, real quick, let me, let me give you a couple things about uh, how to fight fair. How to fight fair. Uh, these are some nuggets on how to practically lay down your swords. Um, when you're, you're fine, never use the word divorce. Never. Never. Make a solemn oath with your partner that no matter how mad we get at each other, we will not use the word divorce. Murder, maybe. Divorce never. Divorce never. Me and Devin have had this conversation. Listen, we're upset. There's the heat of the moment, but understand this. That's hitting below the belt. That's not a fair fight. Do not use that word. Strike it from your vocabulary. Number two, do not name call. Do not name call. Don't say stupid. Don't say whatever other word that's coming to your mouth. Stop the name call. That's hitting below the belt. That is not fighting fair. There's going to be fights. Don't do it. Do not name call. And then number three, recognize this. What is the outcome of this fight? What is the outcome you're looking for? Are you seeking just to win? Are you seeking just to prove that you can be right? Are you seeking to, to have the power and to show your friend or your spouse or your boss that you know more than they do? Are you seeking to be right, or are you seeking for relationships? Because what I'm looking for, the outcome of this fight, is I want to seek to understand. Because we're having this fight because you see things different than the way I see them. So a win for me is for me walking away understanding what you think, whether I agree with it or not. But if we just walk away and there's no understanding, all we've done is torn the relationship. So I want to I have this fight, but I'm going to have it in such a way, and I'm going to have it in such a manner to know that, listen, I love you. I love you with all of my heart. I don't agree with you in this moment. I'm not going to name call. We're not going to use this word. We're not going to hit below the belt. But understand, I'm having a hard time understanding, and it's a win if I could understand you at the end of this thing. To just, I may not agree with it, but just to understand. Jesus, there's lots of times with that, me and Jesus, we could have some fights. God, I sure wish you wouldn't have done it that way. Help me. Help me. Because I know that your ways are not my ways. But we're in relationship. We're in covenant. And so, God, that means I'm laying down my sword, all of my offensive strategies, and all of my defensive strategies. You're free to wound me if you want. Because isn't that what Jesus did to us? Who being equal with God 
didn't count it something to grab. Became obedient, even death to a cross. At any moment, he could have called down the angels. Y'all think y'all have power over me? I put myself here. I put myself here. I laid down my sword. All the offensive, all of the defense. So Jonathan does this. He made himself vulnerable. Jesus says it like this. If you live by the sword, you die by the sword. You, you, you could keep holding that. You could keep holding that sword with every relationship you have in your life. You could keep seeking to make everyone know how smart you are and how right you are. You could keep seeking to win every fight that you're in. But if you live by that sword, you're going to die by that sword. Next thing Jonathan does is he takes off his robe. Remember, he's a prince. This robe, this is, this is a symbol of his title. This is a symbol of his position. He's next in line to be king. And I think when, when Jonathan does this, he's just saying, listen, I don't need to be recognized. I don't need any of this. I'm making this covenant with you, but I'm telling you, uh, whatever God's doing, it, it's all yours. It's all yours. I don't, I don't have to wear this robe to make a change. You don't have to have a title to make a change. You don't have to have your if only to make a change. Because I'll tell you this, if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. If you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. If you're waiting for the title, if you're waiting for the money, if you're waiting for the influence, I'm telling you, you'll get it and you'll find really quick, there's another excuse to be had. And I believe this when it comes to leadership. The only ones that should wear the robe are the ones that can take it off. The only ones that should wear the robe are the ones that should take it off. Jesus stepped down to humanity to enter into this relationship with us. Laid down his sword, took off his robe, became that of a servant Let me wash your feet. And he even washed the feet of Judas. Then Jonathan does this. So he took off his belt and he took off his tunic. A tunic would be this uh, uh, garment that they had. It would be like kind of a long shirt that would go down to the, uh, you know, a male dress. I'm trying to put a cherry on that. But he had male dress uh, all the way to here. And then there would be this belt that he would wear. And so you've got to imagine this moment. He's taken off his bow. He's taken down his sword. He's taken off his robe. And now he's taken off his tunic and his belt. He's standing there before David. Maybe he has his boxer shorts on. I don't know. Completely vulnerable. Completely vulnerable before David. Stripped of anything that could define him in the eyes of man. Stripped of anything that could define him in the eyes of man. You've got to have somebody in your life that sees all of you, the good, the bad, the ugly. You've got to take that belt off. The thing that you tried to hold something up with, the very thing that you've been trying to hold up your life with your talent, you've been trying to hold up your life with your ability, you've been trying to hold up your life with, with your skills, You've got to take all that off. There's got to be someone that just sees you for you, just sees all of it. And it says that there was this bond between them. This is how this bond is formed, when you could just truly be you. 
and I don't have, you ain't got to call me prince. Matter of fact, if God's doing that in your life, I'll decrease so that you would increase. All of it, I'll lay it down. I'll lay it down to be vulnerable. The humility, this is the way of Jesus. This is what it's like to love your, your brother as you love yourself. This is what it's like to have good, healthy relationships that not just last, but change the world. But change the world. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. Jonathan and David would go on to be great friends. As a matter of fact, if everyone would just stand with me. They'll conquer great battles. And I love the fact that Jonathan never gave up on David. Even when things got rough. Even when things got rough, Jonathan never gave up on David. David never gave up on Jonathan. They find each other saving each other's lives. Relationships are easy when it feels like you're on top of the mountain and everyone's winning and you've just killed a giant. But what happens when you start losing? What happens when you're no longer the hero, but now spears are being thrown at you? You have a decision. Will you pick up the sword again? Will you get right back on the offense and defense? Will you take, off, take and put that robe back on? Will you strap on that belt again and no longer be vulnerable? Will you remember the covenant and the promise that you made with Jesus? Will you continue on in the long obedience in the same direction? Or will you go your own way? Church, I'm, I'm just trying to get us all moving in the same direction. Paul said, listen, just follow me as I follow Christ. That's my number one job. Is to say, Jesus, what are you doing? I, I just want to move in the direction you're moving, no matter where it is you take us. That we would be of one heart and one soul and one spirit, God. And if you say move, we move. And if you say stop, we stop. And if you take us to a desert place, God, we'll camp out in that desert. I, I, I want the milk and the honey. I'm not going to lie, God. I, I want to move into the promised land. But first, let us meet you on the mountain. God, we repent for complaining about the manna that you provide in the desert. Like a bunch of spoiled kids saying, just give us some meat. You've provided miracle after miracle after miracle, breath after breath after breath, life. Lord, I just repent. I'm no longer asking you to follow me, but God, I'll follow you. Church, I believe that there's so much more for us. And I believe there's some giants that God has for us to kill. There's a few giants specifically for our county, specifically for this area that God has that it has for us specifically for our church that we need to, we need to put a stone between those eyes and chop that head off.
And, and, and I believe whenever that happens, man, it's going to attract some people. We start killing some folks. Man, we're going we're to see some revival like we've never seen before. But I also want to be very clear that there's also some rough times ahead. There's going to be some rough times ahead. And if you're going to make it, because my thing is, like, I don't want us just to have a good start. I don't want us just to have a good middle. I want us to finish well. I want us to finish well, no matter what it costs, to finish this race well, to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. I heard a story of Billy Graham, who, in my mind, if anybody's close to Jesus, it's Billy Graham. And as he lied there on his deathbed, literally days from taking his last breath, he stood around these other men that had walked with him through the good times, through the bad times. And when they asked him, what can we pray for you, Billy? He said this, pray that I finish well. Pray that I finish well. Because I've made a covenant with God. I don't want to pick up that sword again. I want to pick up that sword again. I want to make sure that this robe stays off. I want to, there's no more belts, none of this. God, you see, all of me is vulnerable at every stage of my life. The long obedience in the same direction. And it means digging down deep roots in Christ. Deep, deep roots. Here, let me, let me tell you, the best way to get deep roots in agricultural terms, they do this thing, it's called stressing the roots. It means they'll, the, the farmer will literally withhold water from it sometimes so that way the drown can get dry, that way the roots can go down deeper so that way when the storms come, it doesn't just get blown away. There's going to be times where God's going to stress the roots. There's going to be some things that we're going to have to walk through, but I'm telling you, if you'll be obedient and just surrender and just let him do it, let him do it in your relationships. Let him do it in your marriage. Let him do it in your church. Let him do it on the job. And just, God, today, what step of obedience do you have for me now? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that this gospel is just, it's so relational. This good news is all about what you did for us to bring us into right relationship with you while we were yet sinners. <sighs> Jesus, I pray for our relationships this morning. I pray that we have the most amazing marriages in this church, that they glorify you, God, that when people that don't know you would see our marriages, that they would glorify you and they would just draw people not, like, there's just something about your relationship, that we would have friendships that last when times are good and when times are tough. Lord, that we would be bosses and employees that, that Lord, we seek to understand each other. We seek to love we seek to offer grace and mercy, the same grace and mercy that you've offered us, even as we put you on the cross. Because ultimately, 
It was your choice. No one takes it from me. I give it up. And if you're in the room this morning, and you've just you've kind of been going your way, and there's a part of you that just wants Jesus to come alongside of you <laughs> and do what you're doing, and you've realized, I've got to stop that. And you know you just needed to surrender to the Father today. May today be the day of your salvation. I'm just going to ask you to put your hand real high in the air where I can see it. I just want to pray a prayer, a prayer of surrender. If that's you and you're in the room, just put it real high. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If everyone will please repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I surrender. I am yours. You are mine. Fill my heart. Fill my mind. Fill my spirit. Jesus, I need you. I believe. Help my unbelief. I lay down my sword. I take off my robe. God, it's all yours. You are in control. Amen and amen. Guys, give it up. We had someone in the room that gave their life to Jesus. The heavens declare, the angels rejoice at this moment. Amen. And amen.